0: to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project and I'm joined today by my colleague John Strickling Coutino. Hello. Hey John. So this week we're gonna talk
1: about a very recent expedition you did up in Cambridge. That's right. That's right. About uh, two weeks ago, just on the 11th of November, I had the privilege of getting away from my desk for once uh, and going up to a world record repair attempt uh, that was being put on um, by the Cambridge uh, Repair Café Network or the Cambridgeshire Repair Café areas. Um, very, very interesting. I've not been it's only the second world record attempt I've been a part of I can share the first one for you uh, later on but um, one of the things uh, I wanted to talk to you today was about how that worked as a community engagement event you know it was so interesting seeing all these people involved so interesting seeing what was going on um, and I'm pleased to say we're joined today by one of the organizers of the event, uh, Nicole Barton who is the volunteer and events organizer uh, for Cambridge Carbon Footprint uh, Nicole are you there? Yes, hello. Hello Nicole, how are you?
2: I'm um, well, thank
1: you. Yeah, recovering. Uh, recovering. <laughs> it was a pretty big event. Um, thank you very much again for joining us today. Um, so, Nicole, a lot of our um, a lot of our listeners are in London and not really familiar with what's going on up in Cambridge. Uh, could you give us an overview of um, what it's like up in Cambridge as a as a really strong network of uh, reuse and repair and eco awareness uh, organizations?
2: Um. So around in 2014, um, Cambridge Carbon Footprints, that I worked for in Transition Cambridge, we were running some gadget repair events and some skills fests together around practical skills around repair. And someone in the next uh, town called Royston was running Repair Cafe. Um, we invited him along for a meeting. He told us about how they ran. Um, and after that meeting, we ran two small events. Uh, we realized they were... Super popular events. People kept talking about them and how much they loved them, how much they loved the energy around them, the kindness, the friendliness, the sort of community feel of them, as well as the sort of repair element. Um, So we decided to make a network of people um, to support the growth of repair cafes in Cambridgeshire. So we created the Cambridgeshire Repair Cafe Network, which was made up of um, a couple of environmental groups, uh, an engineer and the district council. And they have created a kind of how-to that's online and a pack. And we went about advertising to different groups, you know, about the repair cafe idea. Mm. And we went around different community groups and gave workshops on how to run repair cafes. Uh, We put an online guidance on. And since then, we've got repair cafes in 11 locations. We can barely keep up with the demand. Uh, We've got three more waiting in the wings to start their own repair cafes. So, yeah, it's... um, it's exploded, really.
1: <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> and, and yeah, all,
2: not a good term for a reverse. But.
0: And all of this is happening within Cambridgeshire.
2: All in Cambridgeshire, yeah. So it, it's a fantastic model of community development. So one group tends to learn how to do it. Um, often their biggest concerns are around safety and insurance. Mm, yeah. Um, but once we can sort of get over those fears, people run them, and then they help the next village run there. So it's a kind of really a cascading effect, which is wonderful, because it requires sort of very little input, and the growth is just very organic. And yeah, it's a kind of perfect model, really.
1: Fantastic. So with, mm. of, with so much going on, um, I mean, a world record attempt is a pretty big endeavor. First of all, who held the old record, and what, what was the record exactly?
2: It was run by um, a group of repairers who wanted to highlight uh, repair, the repair movement in Boreal in France in 2013, mm. and they successfully repaired 150 items so we're always looking at ways to engage people around climate change right and to get people to think about overconsumption. Um, so our stuff accounts for about 35% of global greenhouse emissions so we want to use repair cafes as a way of getting people to obviously get their stuff repaired but we kind of talk about the wider messages of the circular economy Okay. which we find is really important because it it kind of gets buy-in and people find the circular economy idea is a really positive idea, a really positive umbrella. Um, so it's like having a wider idea around the repair cafes that we think brings a lot of the buy-in.
0: It, it's interesting what you say about the circular economy because it mm. seems this concept that um, we spoke about it previously uh, on Rista Radio, that excites a lot of corporates and uh, a lot of hopeful people working in sustainability but then normal real people kind of finds it hard to actually visualize what it really means and I just wonder which Mm -hmm. part of it you're able to um, get people to to get excited about uh, up in Cambridge well
2: I think repair is obviously one of the key pillars for circular economy, so demonstrating repair like how easy sometimes it can be and empowering people to think they can do their own that excites people we also really um promote the sharing economy so you know we advertise all sorts of groups where you can share your stuff amongst other people and we also promote swishing and swapping of goods so we find those are the you know the areas that we can sort of really do stuff on. We have the um, Institute for Manufacturing here in Cambridge, and they do a lot of work on the design and manufacturing side. Um, so we will give talks at the Festival Ideas, um, the Science Festival, where we'll talk about the circular economy as a climate change solution, and we try and break it down into very easy parts. So you might talk about fairphone, design and manufacture. You might talk about you know, obviously, repair cafes as a way of repairing. You might talk about, um, you know, the sharing and the swapping side as a way of making sure we utilize our goods for as long as possible. So, yeah, it's not easy, but when we break it down, describe it, we find, you know, we can make it accessible.
1: Hmm. It, it, you were, it was, It's interesting because you were mentioning, like, a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the corporations and companies up there. I mean, Cambridge is arguably the tech capital of the UK, if, if such a... Name exists I guess it is now mm. uh, what was the response like from the tech companies that you spoke to like what was there a sense of uh, like an environmentally committed industry or is it you know the same sort of bad reputation that Silicon Valley currently has?
2: I wouldn't say we have that much connection with the tech companies um, so we arm uh, obviously a really big um, chip company they did promote it to their network and we have engineers that work at arm. Um, We haven't particularly gone through the tech companies, but obviously a lot of our repairers do work in those tech companies. There's a lot of engineers in Cambridge, a lot of engineers that um, become managers and don't get the kind of hands-on time to fix stuff and and to engage with stuff hands-on. So we find a lot of them want to engage, but we don't really engage so much with the tech companies. Um, We are finding more of them are interested find out more about the circular economy. So we have someone who writes a blog, who works at Cambridge Consulting, and they're all looking for a little window to kind of – they're really interested in the circular economy and developing their business models, but they have to find some way of finding some profit in it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, finding a way to, you know, sort of pursue that interest and pursue that passion in a way.
2: Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of interest, but they have to kind of prove that it's, you know, it's got a, a business worth.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, in certainly levels of interest, I mean, you had tons of local groups up there. I mean, I remember talking to so many people who were, you know, running stalls, doing repairs, um, a lot of interesting perspectives. You know, what was the response like, you know, on the community side from all these different organizations? Were people really excited to take part in this? Or did you have to, were you spending more time like explaining circular economy and that sort of thing? Like, were they a little bit skeptical to take part in some ways?
2: think initially people might come to a repair cafes for quite selfish reasons you know they want to get their stuff fixed for free um but i think once they come along the outstanding thing about repair cafes is the kindness element like people are really surprised to come into a room full of often highly qualified professional people and you know this person's going to do this thing for free for me And they're going to do it out of the kindness of their heart. They're not getting paid. You know, they have a lovely chat with them about how it all works. Uh, They're in a room full of people, you know, that don't just want to throw their stuff away. Um, So I think it's the, we often call them kindness events because they are, they're just such strong community events. I think in Cambridge, you know, can be quite a divide between the town and gown. But we find, you know, we get everyone coming along to these events. And um, yeah, just friendly. And people are so surprised that, other people just want to help them with nothing in return. So I think that is a lot of the reason it's grown, that they become really strong community events. So we have PTAs hold them, we have vicars that hold them, we have green groups that hold them. So a lot of green groups that had maybe been struggling to engage people on things like climate change and waste. They've found the repair cafes a really brilliant way to get loads of new people to come along and loads of people that maybe wouldn't have come to other events. We, so we, I think it's that they're lovely events. We have cake. You know, we have. You did have copious cake. amounts of cake. We, very important. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's that. It's, it's actually people come for the repair, but they also come just because it's a lovely thing to do. It's a lovely way to spend an afternoon.
0: And it's interesting uh, that uh, you you mentioned how the city perhaps may at times appear a bit divided, but actually, mm. I wonder whether. There is a case to be made about smaller cities, you know, compared to London, where initiatives uh, such as the ones you mentioned, transition towns and the likes, Mm. which actually were at at the heart of how even restart parties originally started in both North London and uh, in Brixton. Right. Whether. groups in, in smaller cities can actually make more of a difference, like in a more uh noticeable way, rather than in the big metropolis where, you know, there's so many other narratives uh that you are competing against
2: possibly. I mean we found it quite easy to tie in with so we you know, that we had a hundred people were fed with surplus food that was made by Food Cycle, who takes surplus food from supermarkets. So yeah, we had we had uh, Food Cycle feeding everyone during the day. Um Yeah, we obviously had Transition putting across their message. Um, I don't know. I think I used to live in London. I think London is like a series of small towns and villages. And I don't see why you couldn't replicate that on a similar scale and just tie in with other people with similar aims, really.
0: Oh, I mean, we're quite busy repairing every single weekend at the moment. (laughs) It's not like we're not busy. But um, it just makes me wonder whether you know, like bigger achievements in creating like a larger community where people really feel genuinely part of this community, um, more oh. than just during events, uh, require a smaller city to to really thrive. Uh, I had another question around uh, how you see uh, the network of reuse and repair and eco-awareness grow. Like we noticed that um, for Circular Cambridge, you've also come up with a list of repair businesses in the area yeah. and so I wonder whether you see more awareness through community repair leading to more direct support from participants to repair businesses that are making this possible on a daily basis.
2: I honestly couldn't answer that question so we do we've created a direct directory of all the kind of sharing and circular economy and repair businesses in cambridgeshire um whether they get used more i really couldn't say but i mean just increased awareness and i think when people see something can be repaired they're just more likely to use a repair business in the future so we encourage repair businesses to leave their business cards and you know to be at our events if they want to i don't know if it's led to an increased number of people using the businesses i'm afraid
1: well, I know one thing that I certainly saw um, at the event was, you know, people thinking a lot differently about their, um, the devices that they actually had with them. Mm. Um, and I, I, I mean, first of all, I think it was, how many items did you fix, was it? It was 200-something, wasn't it?
2: 200. I think we had 375 items in and successfully repaired 232 and then partly repaired probably another, I don't know. Fifty or sixty. We're still going through all
1: the forms. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the repair
2: rate's usually around sixty-five percent, and, and that was on par with what we
1: did on Saturday. Yeah, I imagine it's probably led to a few good stories around, um, you know, what kinds of items uh, got repaired. We certainly have a ton of those with restart parties. What would what would you say would be the most unusual, unexpected repair that you saw as part of the world record attempt?
2: Whew. I was really busy running <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Um,
2: I think some of my favorite repair have been some of the emotional repairs, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. people always asking if they can fix hearts and broken legs and all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. But um, we certainly get people coming in with very sentimental items. I mean, there was a, a woman who was even just crying, checking in. A clock that was the last gift that her husband had given her before she died. So was felt like quite a lot of pressure to fix that, but we um, that got fixed. And, you know, she was absolutely in floods of tears and, and going around hugging all the repairers. Oh, wow. like that really, really stand out. We get quite a bit of that. We, have, um, we had a, a Father Christmas, a mechanical Father Christmas that was in a loft for 10 years. And he kind of went up and down his chimney, but he got stuck. And we got that working again. So he was popping up and down his chimney going, ho, ho, ho. Um, that was another memorable one yeah (laughs) there's so many little stories but I think in general it's the it's the kindness and it's the friendliness of events that has made them grow so quickly
0: and actually this is a a way to connect not just the positive experience with people that uh, attend events but also the positive experience that people volunteering their time at events have in Getting a chance to meet other people, and uh, so it's not just one way. It's actually very much oh. both ways in our experience. Mm.
2: Absolutely, I, from the repair cafe event, I had we had 105 volunteers on the day, and I've actually had people writing back to me thanking me for allowing them to volunteer at the event, which is. Pretty unusual, but they felt it was so special. It was an honour to take part, and they've asked if they can get involved in the future. So, it's being with like-minded people in such a solutions-focused environment that really gives people a buzz. Um, Yeah.
1: Fantastic. I mean, one of the things that I get, the, one of the queries I get most often is exactly what you've been deal with, dealing with, you know, people wanting to get involved in some way, wanting yeah. to take part. So what what one sentence, one phrase would you say to, to really convince somebody, you know, to take part in one of these events or to get involved in repair, reuse and circular economy stuff? Uh,
2: one sentence.
1: Uh, it doesn't um, literally have to be a sentence. Though. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
2: come and have a good time um, help build your community and keep stuff out of landfill. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of simple, really. Um, yeah, yeah
1: that's what I, I would say, I was expecting a line about cake in there as well. So <laughs> clearly John really enjoyed the cake at the
0: event. Yeah, yeah, he was right. buzzing about it. Yeah. Um, I, I had and the rest of the event as well. I had one final question, uh, just to put in perspective. Um, How, if you could tell us a bit more about Cambridge Carbon Footprint and how you see this area of activity grow into the future and uh, alongside the other programs that you guys run.
2: I think what um, Cambridge Carbon Footprint, we try to support and inspire people to live sustainably, but we do it in a very non-judgmental way. Um, We tend to sort of focus on what people can do about things rather than the bad news. Um, we show films, we give talks. We run something called Open Eco Homes where people open up their homes for other people to see and be inspired by what other people are doing. Um, We run something called Circular Art that actually ties in with repair cafes. I think, John, did you go upstairs to see the Circular Art stalls?
1: I did, all the upcycled Christmas gifts and everything. Yeah. Some really interesting stuff up there.
2: Yeah, so we want people to see their stuff differently. So what might some people might consider as waste or junk. We want them to see it as a valuable resource. So we team up um, 21 artists with 21 charity shops um, every year. And the artists go into the charity shop and often choose something from the charity shop and we'll make it into a piece of art. And then for two weeks, you can pick up an art, a circular uh, trail map and go around viewing all these pieces of art in the window. So for us, it's about getting people to see their stuff differently. I Great. think, as Will I am said, waste is only waste when you waste it. Um, <laughs> Great. Well, yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you very much, and good luck. We want to see a official announcement when the world record will be uh, officially given to you. I guess.
2: Yes. Well, we want people to beat it. So again, it's, you know, it's challenge accepted. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, go
0: good to know. Well, thanks again for your time, Nicole. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks. Yeah,
2: and thank you for coming to support us last weekend. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, John, clearly there's quite a lot of community organizing happening up in Cambridge. And it's interesting that in a city that sides... we we see an umbrella organization in a sense is promoting more uh, repair activity, more community engagement, which is pretty much uh, the role that you've had uh, in the last year at the Restore Project.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a privilege being an umbrella of sorts, Um, not literally, of course, but. I mean, one of the things I enjoy the most is actually these little moments of kindness, as Nicole was saying, of getting in touch with people who really want to be a part of this, and you know, learning what they want to do and helping them go that next step to turn whatever their passion is for repair into something that's, uh, you know, a reality. And certainly, um, one of the things she mentioned, you know, people feeling like there's this barrier to repair, you know, that they, they don't know how or they don't know other people who are interested. Um, it kind of seems to me like a fallacy because. There are, it is not as complicated as everyone makes it out to be. Um, the one thing that I always tell people who get in t- touch with us is oftentimes we don't know every single thing that's wrong with your device ourselves as we're going to, which is why at a restart party it's sort of a collaborative learning kind of thing. You know, there is no one person, or maybe there is one person, I haven't met him or her yet, but um, there is no one individual on this earth who can tell you every single working component of every single mobile phone that has ever been made and that could possibly appear at a party and needs to be taken apart and repaired again. That level of knowledge just doesn't exist but we can find it together, we can work together, we can troubleshoot together. And indeed, a lot of the volunteers who, you know, come to these repair cafes and these restart parties and all these community repair events, they're learning from the experience and their experience is just growing with each individual event. So to me, a barrier to repair is, that's easy to overcome is just learning how to fix.
0: Well, and actually, people come to you and, and ask how to get started, at times worried that they don't have the right skills, but the skills, don't all have to be held by the same person. And in every community, there will be someone who perhaps used to be an engineer at one of the tech companies or just simply an electrician that has some extra passion and a desire to share again.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So, but what are the top tips that you you give people when uh, they approach you to to get started?
1: Basically, dive in. Um, I mean, if there's a group in your area, please do just stop by, meet everyone. You know, sit in on a couple of fixes if you're not uh, if you're not comfortable doing it yourself. Watch, learn, engage, and enjoy. I mean odds are there will be somebody in that room who you will share you know a great affinity with an interest with you know you might both like to really do computer repairs and you can build on those skills and it's that sort of collaborative learning that really is beneficial and a lot of times as well one of the other common uh, a lo- one of the other common things that people approach us with is there's no group in my area you need to be the person to change that if you want to make a change and it is really not as hard as you think it is oftentimes the main thing that will change that is putting a date in the diary. You know, not even for a repair party, maybe just a meetup or something like that. You put a a note out there saying, on whatever day, we're meeting up for drinks, we wanna talk about doing this. You know, let's get together, let's talk about it. And people will come to that, people will respond to that. And it's interesting, because a lot of times you'd think social media is the way to go. But if you put up posters in your local repair shops, you know, you talk to people, community libraries, you know, people find that and they engage with that a lot better than they do on social media because there's obviously a lot of noise on social media. So having that local community connection really, really makes it uh, work a lot stronger as well. And in fact, you've been helping just recently uh, a new group
0: get started just outside of London uh, in Brentford. And I believe they're They're running their first event uh, this very... Saturday. That's right. Yep. And so, what was their main concern in in approaching you?
1: Well, their main concern was. We don't know anyone in the area who knows how to fix. Um, and my advice was very similar to you know the advice I just gave on that. But they also had the unique advices. We don't have a space. Um, we don't have a space that's suitable, and we need to wait for one to become available. So um, fortunately, a local uh, charity shop stepped in and is uh, had just renovated their back room and is loaning them that space for the room. And with all these things, you don't know until you ask. So if you're interested in hosting a party like this, start asking around. You know, ask organizations who may know people. Ask local places that may have some space. You, you never know what you'll find, and certainly you probably will find somebody who's interested in wanting to help you out as well. And over the years, we've had uh, good luck
0: with community centers, uh, community libraries, at times council-led libraries. Yeah. And art galleries, churches, you name it, really have been everywhere. So it's it's certainly not impossible, although obviously space in some neighborhoods is not as readily available for free uh, for initiatives like this. It was interesting that Nicole mentioned the issue of safety and insurance. That is also equally one of our main concerns. And I just wonder what your advice is for
1: people who are trying to get started? Be as safe as possible, make sure you're not taking unnecessary risks and know your insurance cover and make sure you're covered with uh, public liability insurance before you do this. Oftentimes you can arrange it through a parent organization, like say for example you work for another charity who might want or you are volunteering with that charity and they may want to um, do an event like this, their insurance may cover you. Otherwise, you know, make sure the venue's insurance will cover this or arrange your own insurance to cover an event like this. Um, Obviously, with anything electrical, there is a risk. So please do be as safe as possible. Um, I won't go through the whole guidance here. There's plenty on the website. Uh, If you go to the restartproject.org, look through our uh, community kit, and you'll find as much information as you'd like on that.
0: Well, the the good news is that at times there are other organisations indeed are happy to to help and when we did start local transition town groups in both belsize and in park and in brixton we're very keen to support us and i'm sure as the network of such initiatives grows across the country and beyond uh, there are ways to to collaborate funny enough that we mention safety uh, because we'll be speaking about the safety of repair, both at a commercial and community level and the uh, challenges we all face, whether um, commercial repairers or uh, people working in communities getting hold of safe enough spare parts and the likes at an electrical safety uh, conference uh, happening this Thursday, organized by Electrical Safety uh, First. And uh, we... will We'll share the link on our website. and uh, it, it, It's interesting because it's the big issue that uh, slows down ad- adoption and replication of these events uh, across, uh, across the world, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is always a little bit of admin in organizing your events, but the main thing to take away, it's not that hard. I mean, get a date, get some people together, get your insurance and your safety in order and you're there. So at a time when
0: a lot of people are gearing up, uh, thinking about what's the latest great gadget that they should be buying for the festive season, and uh, there's all these talks of sales of all kinds happening now for like half of the year and trying to buy more, buy more, we'd like to promote instead another approach, which was also mentioned during the interview with Nicole, and it's currently second uh second second first first week uh, which is organized by trade a charity that we do some events with specifically in hackney often and other organisation are uh, organisations are reminding ourselves that we can extend the life of existing products and uh, prefer pre-owned but still perfectly fine devices so keep that in mind uh, as you make your plans for holidays Secondhand gadgets can be just as good, if not better. If not better. So we have a couple of events coming up this weekend. Um, One is a restart party at Barking and Dagenham at Mark's Gate Community Center. It will be on Saturday from 11 a.m. And then early next week, uh, a Hackney restart party at the Dalston Library in Dalston Square on Wednesday the 29th from
1: 6 p.m. And also, don't forget the very first restart party out in Brentford. Uh, it's coming up this Saturday, the 25th, from 1 to 4 o'clock. Um, all of the details are on our website, uh, therestartproject.org. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram
0: at restartproject. And thank you for listening. And thanks to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for the wonderful soundtrack that ends this show. Till next week.